in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Amen. The reading is taken from James chapter 1, verses 1 to 27. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered around among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding faults, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like the waves of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plants, its blossoms fall and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when fully grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like drifting shadows. He chose to us, sorry, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth, and that we might be a kind and first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires therefore get rid of all the moral filth and evil 
that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the, into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless, this is, to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress and keeps oneself from being polluted by the word world. Amen. Thanks. Thanks to Mike and Janet. Sorry it was such a long one, Janet. (laughs) So this week we've been listening to the words or reading the words of the early church leaders. Those two readings were, were part of the E100 readings that I mentioned earlier. The first was from Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. The second from the book of James. Although the reading from the book of Corinth is actually our main reading today, I'm going to talk mainly about the James reading, because that reading had a particular impact on me this week. On Thursday, which was the day that this reading fell in my E100 plan, it'd been a pretty stressful day. It'd been a busy day at work, I knew I had to be finished for for three o'clock to pick Ellie up from school. I knew that we had to get ready for the party the next day, so there was baths and hair wash to do, there was making tea, there was checking homework, checking for letters, and it was an elders meeting as well that night, so I had to be ready for that as well. But during the day, something had had really, to be honest, had really got on my nerves. So... Before I did all that, well, I did the main bits, but then before, I, before I'd finished, I, I thought, I need, to, I need to give some people the benefit of my considerable wisdom. So, I sent a few emails, three actually. They were quite brief, but they clearly identified to each of the people what they needed to do to resolve these matters to my satisfaction. It seemed like the best thing to do. So once I'd sent these emails and we'd had baths and hair wash and, and, and everything was under control, I sat down to my E100 reading. Ellie had gone to play out for a little while. So I thought, oh, this is great. So it was time to read James. So it started off great. And then I got to verses 19 and 20. I don't know if we can get those back on the screen, can we, Andy? So what they said was, My dear friends, you should be quick to listen. And slow to speak. 
and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Oh. <laughs> so I was reading these words, and I could hear, the, I could feel the tap on my shoulder and the alarm bells going off. I'm thinking, was that me? Had I been quick to listen? Well, I was quick to hear the bit that irritated me. But I'm not sure I listened beyond that. I didn't really think about very much about anything else other than the bit that irritated me until long after I'd sent the emails. Was I slow to speak? Well, not really, because I prioritised sending the emails before I did anything else. So, now, it might be that had I been quick to listen and, and listened more and prayed more and thought more, I might still have been upset. I might still have been angry. Even if I'd made the anger slow, I might still have been angry. And anger does have its place. There are a lot of things in this world that are not okay. We continue to hear loads of them in the news. And it's okay to be angry about those things. It's okay to be angry when the time is right. To speak passionately about things like solvable poverty. About people hurting each other. But what the Bible tells us is don't just fly off the handle at the slightest thing. Think about what the other person or the other people might be trying to achieve. Because most people, however bad the thing is that they do, they're trying to achieve something. It might be that they're just ill informed, it might be that we're ill informed. It might be that they're particularly not nice people and they're doing things because they just want to get money or they want to get fame or they want to get something that they want and they don't care about anybody else. There are people like that. But taking time to think and to pray before we shout in anger at someone might allow us time to understand their motivation or understand how to respond most effectively to them, even when they are wrong. A few years ago, Nick and Ellie and I went to Conway, and we got on a, an open-top bus, and it went round Conway and then drove us off to Landudno, and it was lovely, and we were going round, and we were having a great time. And it got to one stop in the centre of Landudno, and it, we knew that there was going to be about a ten-minute pause at this point because it was sort of the, the end of one tour and the start of the next after about five minutes the bus shot off really shot off and it, it didn't go on the route that we were expecting it started going into the back streets and it was weaving round and tilting and I tried to go we were upstairs looking out at the open top and I tried to climb down and I was bashing around and anyway, I got down and I said to the driver, um, is there a problem? And he said, oh no, I didn't think anybody was left on. I've gone off service. 
So, okay. He says, right, I'll drive you to the next bus stop. So he, he, dropped, he got to a bus stop. He dropped us off. He said, the next tour bus will be along in about 20 minutes. Wait here. So we waited. It was a pretty desolate part of Landudno, to be fair. And after about 20 minutes, no tour bus had arrived, but the bus driver turned up in his little fiesta or whatever it was. He says, oh, actually, this isn't on the bus route, but I'll run you back to the centre of Landudno. Now, we're there with Ellie, who must have been about three at the time, or maybe four, and we thought, well, we can't teach her that it's okay to get in the car of of somebody that we've never met before and not just that somebody that we've just nearly killed ourselves being in the bus with so we said no it's all right we'll walk and it was a good walk so anyway we we got back and we were a bit bruised and pretty miffed now actually yeah and bumps and bruises and so I did right to the bus company actually but on that occasion I, I wasn't that angry I suppose we'd had time to think we'd gone back and, and I just said I felt that I had to write to them because firstly they needed a process by which they check if everybody's off the bus before they drive it back to the depot and secondly really did it need to be going that fast a few days later I got a reply And the reply said, we're really sorry, this guy's one of our best drivers. (laughs) I'm thinking, whoa! (laughs) The chairman of the company did a a surprise visit last week, and he commended this guy on being one of the best drivers he'd ever seen. I'm thinking, this isn't a good sign for this company. But then he went on to say, but that guy, while he was sat at that stop... He'd had a phone call. His sister was dying. So then, he shouldn't have done it, but would we have done the same? I might have. So, back to Thursday night. I might still have wanted to offer my pearls of wisdom. They really were great ideas. But I'm not sure I presented them in the best light. There was definitely a hint of anger. There was definitely not not much thought. I just wanted to get it off my chest. I wanted to make it their problem. Maybe, if I'd spent a little bit more time, I might still have sent the emails, but maybe they would have had more impact. They would have come across as more thought out. Yesterday, the finale of Ellie's birthday party, I was offered another sermon illustration. We'd had the sleepover on, on Friday night, which had gone pretty well for a sleepover with six kids. (laughs) You can read into that as much or as little as you like. And the grand finale was to 
take the girls to Pizza Hut for lunch. So we had three girls in my car and three girls in Nick's car. And I was listening to the girls chatting. And one of the girls said, you know how somebody, it doesn't matter who it was, used to be mean to us? Well, I've noticed that when we're mean back, she just gets even meaner. But since we've been trying to be nice to her when she's mean, it sets a good example. She's not as mean. And actually, she's quite nice. And I just thought, it's taken me about ten pages of of notes to to get across that point. They've basically taken my sermon and distilled it down into about three lines. But just to expand it out again a little bit, I think simply, if we're nice to people, they'll be nice to us. Sometimes if they're not, there's a good reason. But if we can live as Jesus showed us, even when times are bad, then maybe people will see that, see that in us, see Jesus in us. And maybe, in turn, they may be able to form their own relationship with him or strengthen their relationship with him. So, just going back in our reading from James... To, to the beginning, if we can go back to verse 2, Andy. There's quite a lot more in there. And he starts off in verse 2. Sorry. <laughs> By saying, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So you read that and you think, that doesn't sound particularly joyful. I don't want to face trials. But maybe when we do face trials, and one of the things that you learn fairly quickly as a Christian is that it doesn't mean that you're not going to face any trials. In fact, there's quite a few places in the Bible where it means, it says it's, it means that you're going to face a few more. And not only that, but you're going to have to respond differently than you might have responded he gets even more he gets more specific in 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 further parts of the reading but i think that what he's trying to tell us is that when we do face these troubles there's a there's a positive side to it there's there's a benefit that when we go through times of trouble it teaches us new skills it makes us stronger. We see so often on the news people who've had tragic circumstances, loss of a child or, or, or whatever, and, and, they, and they come out and, and do something about it, try and stop other people having to go through that. Something that they probably wouldn't have done or even dreamt of doing if they'd not gone through those troubles. And we, we've got examples of that even in our own community with, with Kieran's cause. I suppose what it's saying is what doesn't kill you will make you stronger. But the other thing to remember is that although God says that we're going to go through difficult times, he doesn't say we're going to go through them alone. He's there with us. 
he goes on if we if we sort of step through the reading a little bit and uh, yeah just a little bit more a bit more I think about verse 9 I think yeah keep going um, one more yeah so uh, well sorry back 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 uh, yeah sort of verse 9 8 9 yeah so believers in humble circumstances should take pride in their high position about and and he goes on to talk about the rich fading away and you think well does that mean that that as a christian we're not allowed to have money or we're not allowed to have things and it doesn't it doesn't mean that but like like the reading from 2 corinthians talking about storing up treasures in in clay jars what it's trying to tell us is if if the money or the things is a measure of our lives if that's how we if that's how we determine our worth how much money we've got or how many things we've got then that's pretty limiting and if you lose that you've lost everything so there's nothing wrong with being rich and there's nothing wrong with being poor but being rich doesn't give you necessarily great relationships or those treasures in heaven that you can take likewise being poor doesn't prevent those fantastic relationships it doesn't prevent you from having those treasures in heaven there's a joke about a rich man he was a good rich man a really good rich man he spoke with God in prayer very regularly but he did have a lot of money and he liked his money and he knew his life was coming to an end so he prayed and he said look God I know normally you can't take things with you but you know I've done so much I've done everything you've asked of me I've prayed regularly I've given loads of money away I've I've been a really good person. And God said, no, no, you can't, you can't take things with you to heaven. You just can't. It's against the rules. And he said, well, look, God, you, you're God. You can do anything. If you say it's okay, then it's okay. Eventually, God said, right, I'll compromise. You can take with you everything that you can fit into two suitcases. So you choose the things that you want the things that mean the most and you put them in two suitcases and you can take them with you so he said great thank you and he prepared his suitcases and then eventually the day came and he died and he went up to heaven as he knew he would and he got to the pearly gates and saint peter was there and saint peter said hang on a minute you can't bring suitcases there's a pretty strict rule you don't bring anything with you anyway he told he told saint peter he said look god says it's okay he's made an exception just for me so St. Peter gets on the phone to God and, all right, yes, you can come in, you can bring it in. He said, but just show me what's in the suitcases. I've got to see what's so important that you want to bring in the suitcases. And he opens the suitcases and they're filled with gold. And St. Peter says, you've brought paving stones. Why have you brought paving stones? There's still more in this reading. In verse 22, 
some of the some of the tough bits. James says to us, "Do not merely listen to the words and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says." So this is the tough bit, isn't it? So it's we can read the Bible. That's fantastic, and I encourage everybody to do it. We can tell other people about it even better, and I encourage everybody to do that as well. But then there's the nitty-grit. You can't just read it. You've got to do it. That's the hard bit, isn't it? That's the bit I failed so miserably to do when I, when I sent me three emails off without, without taking time or thought. So many times we see in the news Christian leaders or people who are well-known Christians and they're doing things and you're thinking, that's not a Christian thing to do. I'll be honest, that sort of behaviour stopped me coming to church for a very long time. Because I'd see people who said, yeah, I'm a Christian, and I'd think, well, I don't want to do what you're doing. So it's important for me to try and not be that person. Not be the person that I would look at and think, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a Christian if you're a Christian. So my challenge to us all this week is, let's think about those simple words of advice from James. I won't make Andy go back to the beginning, but... Be quick to listen and slow to anger. As the girls in the car worked out yesterday, the way that we behave can change the way that others behave. And not just to us, but all around. And if we're able to to live a life filled with Jesus then maybe that might inspire others to live that life too.